athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked in to the Dopey Show on radio, box to row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a good show lined up for you today, as we generally do each and every week. And I'll say this, something that I had planned to say each and every week and missed on last week. And I'm going to say it right now. Vote, vote, vote. It is so important to vote. As a matter of fact, I did some early voting on Wednesday, had a chance to go out and vote. Felt great about it. And uh, I mean, whoever you're voting for. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is you have a right to vote. And if you're not a registered voter, please register and then vote. This is the most important election of our lifetime. It is so important that you get out and vote. So I'm going to have my NFL predictions for week seven here today on the program. You know, last week I went six and seven. I went six and seven last week didn't have a good week at all and if we talked about it the the week before i i went what i had like i missed only like two out of all of the games this wasn't a very good week for me at all so i'm gonna be looking to rebound and do a lot better in the week seven predictions so if you look at the nfl you look at sort of the schedule uh, for this week and and really you know we got to talk about a number of different things like the Miami Dolphins coming off that big 24 to nothing shutout victory of the Jets who by the way the Jets are an absolute mess right now so if you're Miami you're riding high 3 and 3 on this season you know and 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 back before the season started I talked about Miami and kind of previewed the Dolphins and I'm like you know, to me, Ryan Fitzpatrick is sort of a a career backup guy. He's a guy that if if you if your quarterback goes down, he can come in and win a game. You know, maybe the next week he may win you a game. Maybe the following week he can win you another game. And then after that, the wheels are going to fall off. And that's happened the last couple of years. He's, in essence, been a backup quarterback that has had to start some games and then ultimately fizzled out. But this time around, it's been different for Ryan Fitzpatrick to the point that the Dolphins are 3-3 three and three on the season. And, you know, I found it sort of odd last week. Again, you're beating the Jets. Uh, uh, Tua Tungavailoa comes into the game with a little more than two minutes remaining at that point, the game is well in hand. So I'm wondering, okay, 
I mean, what's the point in putting him in the game just to essentially hand the football off? Well, he obviously, you know, passed the ball a couple of times. And then on Tuesday, the Dolphins announced that Tunga Vailoa was going to be the starting quarterback. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I'm of the philosophy, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And again, as much as I talked about Fitzpatrick being sort of this quarterback that is a guy that, you know, hey, he's going to come in, give you a couple of games. Uh, He's going to fizzle out if you continue to leave him in as a starter. Well, that hadn't been the case this year. And a 3-3 and record with a win, by the way, over the 49ers, and I get it, the 49ers at that time were struggling. By the way, came back and beat the Rams this past weekend. That was one of the games that I missed, so maybe the 49ers are back on track. With that, to go to Tunga Vailoa now with a 3-3 and record, I find interesting. I, I don't – listen, if it works out, there's all – I mean, Tunga Vailoa is projected to be a phenomenal quarterback when it's all said and done, and I'm all for that. But I just question the timing as to why go to him – at this particular time when things are going so well. that That's sort of uh, the question that I have. But, I mean, listen, you know, at the end of the day, right, you know, Brian Flores and company feel like this is the time to go to Tunga Bailoa, and I hope it works out. I mean, he's, you know, he, he, he got a couple of reps last week. They say he's healthy, ready to go, coming back from that serious hip surgery. Uh, less than a year ago. So they say he's ready to rock and roll. We'll see what happens moving forward, and we can talk a little bit more about that in the program when I give my Week 7 National Football League predictions. The Big Ten going to get things started rocking and rolling this week. As a matter of fact, the Big Ten uh, starts football again this weekend. So that's going to be interesting, that dynamic now. Uh, obviously, the big, the the SEC, the ACC, the Big Twelve, rocking and rolling. Now it's the Big Ten's turn, and then of course, ultimately, the Pac-12 as well. Not a whole lot when I look at the college football schedule for this week. Like not a whole lot of really big games, but you do have a couple. I mean, you have number seventeen Iowa State that's going to be at number six Oklahoma State. Uh, number nine, Cincinnati is going to be at number 16 SMU. And then, you know, maybe one of the, 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 uh, one of the other top 25 matchups, you have number 18, Michigan at number 21, Minnesota. And then the other matchup that's where it's a situation where it's two teams that are top 25 teams that are ranked that I never thought I would hear myself say uh, is number 23 NC State at number 14 North Carolina. I thought I'd, 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 I'd never thought I'd hear myself say those two names as top 25 teams uh, in a matchup. Uh, you know, I mean, when you look at UNC, it surged to number five. And to me, I thought that that game against Florida State was going to be a tough game in Tallahassee uh, and you know, Florida State ultimately comes away with that. That's a big, I mean, that was a big win for Florida State. So some interesting matchups 
when you look across the board. Not a lot of key matchups. Like you looked at last week when you had Alabama and Georgia. And, you know, unfortunately for the Bulldogs, losing that particular football game. Of course, Omari Hardwick joined us on the program uh, on last week, and I know he he's probably none too happy. But, I mean, that's an Alabama team. I mean, we're looking at a collision course for the national championship game as as things currently speak between Alabama and Clemson. Uh, I mean, you look at Clemson. I mean, Clemson absolutely routed Georgia Tech last week. Was it 70-7? to 7? Uh, and then Clipson's got a, you know, got a soft game uh, this weekend. And and I say a soft game. It seems like Syracuse may have given Clemson some issue. Maybe Did they win last year or maybe a couple of years ago? I mean, Syracuse has played Clemson tough. But, I mean, Clemson is, is obviously the top dog, the number one team in the country. And it looks like that we're on a collision course for Clemson. And Alabama. I mean, is it possible, especially this year, because things are so different this year that we could see, you know, a Cincinnati who's number nine, who's not part of the power five conferences. Could we see them sneak in? Mean, I think it'd be a little bit hard. I, I, I'd have to look. I don't think Cincinnati is playing. I mean, especially with COVID-19 and with more of the regional and conference matchups, you're not going to see a Cincinnati, uh, you know, play uh, you know, like a Notre Dame or or a Clemson or an Alabama or or even a Georgia uh, along those lines, just because of COVID, is more regional matchups, more conference matchups. So you you wouldn't have, a, you know, a Cincinnati. It may not be their year, even if you have some losses. I mean, a Georgia could maybe jump back in and get back into uh, possibly contention. You just never know, especially with the SEC, because the SEC is definitely so strong. So I'm going to set the table in terms of the guests today here on the program momentarily. Why don't you join us here on Box to Row? Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, if you want to join on the conversation, my personal Twitter account at dware one at dware one. My personal Instagram account is at where Donald. Still to come here on the program, I'm going to give my Week Seven National Football League predictions. And again, I ask the question: Should the Dolphins have started, or should they now start? Tunga Vailoa over Ryan Fitzpatrick, the veteran who has led this team to a three and three. I mean, really, if you think about it, the Dolphins really to this point have overachieved in the middle. And and by the way, a, a solid victory over the Jets. Should Tua Tunga Vailoa be the starter in Miami? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Still to come here on the program, we're going to be joined by Pro Football Hall of Famer, GMA host, Fox NFL Sunday, all of those things. Michael Strahan, Michael Strahan going to join us on the program a little bit later on. Up next, I'm going to give you my thoughts on the MEAC Virtual Media Day press conference for basketball. I have some thoughts on that. Also, 
I'm going to have some thoughts as the MEAC released its football schedule as well with a conference championship game taking place on alignment of divisions in the MEAC. All of that up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Hey, what happened to all the Marjorie's beef jerky? Hey, what's up, bro? It was you, wasn't it? What was? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You ate all the Marjorie's beef jerky, didn't you? Yeah, so what? That was mine. Dad just bought that for me yesterday. Don't worry, I'll just go online and buy some more. No big deal. Wait, you can just go online and buy more? Well, in that case, I'm going to buy the original orange teriyaki and sweet and spicy. But I do expect you to pay me back for all that beef jerky you ate. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. Or call them toll-free, 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. From the Press Box to Press Row and BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. If you want to participate here on the program, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. In that first segment, talking about a number of different things, some National Football League, talking about some college football, not a whole lot of big-time matchups coming up this uh, weekend per se. But I do want to say this with respect to not only college football, but but also basketball as well. So the MEAC released its schedules for both basketball and football on Thursday and then also had a Zoom media availability, if you will, with the head men's and women's basketball coaches of the 11 institutions of the MEAC. And I want to talk a little bit about that. So let's talk some football here on the program because, well, foot, well, number one, football is king. Also with respect, so the MEAC is, has, has formatted a divisional uh, play type of matchup. And it, listen, I think the MEAC, boy, this COVID, this is, COVID in of itself obviously is bad. It's the worst, probably the worst thing, at least, you know, that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, But this was the year 
that the MEAC really needed to maximize the fact that North Carolina A&T, Florida A&M, and Bethune-Cookman were still in the conference, needed to really, really maximize that. And, you know, I don't know, I guess to some degree, they're not going to be able to maximize it the way it could have been maximized had it not been for COVID-19. But I think the MEAC is still going to get something out of it. Right now you have 11 schools that play, or 11 total schools. None of those schools play football, and you're going to have a MEAC uh, championship for football, which uh, which should be, I mean, that's going to be good. You're looking at it the week of, what, April 16th through 18th, that weekend. So, I mean, that, that that's, that's, that's good. I mean, when I think about the MEAC, and again, you have to put this in perspective and you have to go back. The MEAC obviously came together 1969, 1970, born out of mostly CIAA schools and formulated a conference to ultimately go to Division I, which happened some eight or nine years later, 1978, Division I, you have the 1AA championship, which of course Florida A&M wins the first ever 1AA championship. So we, over the years, the MEAC fluctuates a little bit. Morgan State leaves the conference, maybe 1980, 81, ultimately rejoins the conference in 84, uh, which I think Florida A&M may have joined the conference also in, in 80, 84, 86, something like that. Bethune-Cookman joins the conference in the mid-80s. You have North Carolina Central that leaves the conference early, doesn't return until really 2011, so some fluctuation, but really where the MEAC was getting ready to go, uh, and, and this was even, th- this was a buildup, so the buildup really, to for me, was when Hampton and Norfolk State joined the conference in the mid-90s, and of course, in the early part of the 2000s, Hampton absolutely dominated the football, uh, the conference in football, and quite frankly, had that nice run. Remember, was able to, to as a number 15 seed, uh, was able to get that victory, 2001, Tavares Williams, player of the year, they beat, oh, man, I, I can't even remember who they beat, but anyway, a nice upset. So, so good moves, Hampton and Norfolk State coming into the league. Then, you have a situation 10 years later, you, you add a Winston-Salem State. A couple of years later, you're adding a Savannah State. You're adding a North Carolina Central. So we're talking about divisional play right now for the MEAC. Well, this is something the MEAC thought that it would have, what, 2011 when Savannah State and North Carolina Central became full members of the conference. Well, let's see what happened in that space. And it really started again with Winston-Salem State dropping out. Winston-Salem State, three years into the move, uh, they had some kind of violation with one of the non-revenue sports, which ultimately would have led them to an additional year before they could actually become full-fledged members of actually a 1AA or FCS, and then ultimately the MEAC. And Winston-Salem State, after already uh, three years in, I think, decided maybe two years, two or three years, decided it didn't want to go down that road, decided it had enough, went back to Division II, went back to the CIAA. But, and that was a big blow, but you still had North Carolina Central and you still had Savannah State. Um, but but because Winston-Salem State left, the MEAC was never able to get that divisional alignment 
that it wanted. Then what happens? 2017, Hampton in the in towards the latter part of the football season says, "Ah, we're out of here. They're gone." Uh, to start this year, North and, and oh, uh, excuse me, Savannah State also the next year says, "Ah, you know, 2018 is going to be our last year." Uh, in in Division One in the MIAC, we've given it a run. We've tried to make it happen. Uh, I'm not even sure, to be honest with you, why Savannah State decided to leave the SIAC in the first place. It's not like it had some kind of tradition in football uh, or even basketball. Uh, it wasn't a power, but it decided to make the move. And, and really, I can understand, like, if you're Savannah State, you're in a nice-sized media market. You're in a nice town. Like, Savannah is beautiful. Savannah is great. I don't understand why Savannah State was not able to make it ultimately. I don't know if the alumni didn't get behind it. I don't know what it was. But remember, Savannah State floundered for years in independency at the 1AA level. And I think that hurt, I think that hurt Savannah State also. But they decided, okay, we're going back. Then A&T this year makes the announcement, eh, we're out going to the Big South. Then Florida A&M says, eh, we're out, going to the SWAC. Then Bethune-Cookman follows Florida A&M and says, eh, we're out, we're following Florida A&M. So now you go from a, a, a situation where you would have had a divisional type of different divisions and a football championship and it would have been bigger and better and the MEAC is this and the MEAC is that, to boy, you're hanging on by a thread because now you have nine football playing schools uh, but after next year, you'll have six, and then you'll have eight institutions. MIAC, Commissioner Thomas mentioned, mentioned on the call. Uh, he was part of the call, as a matter of fact, and mentioned on the call that, hey, we're still committed to the Celebration Bowl. So they, uh, the MIAC has the, uh, the, the bid to the FCS playoffs, this, the automatic bid. Uh, but still committed to the Celebration Bowl moving forward if we still have a Celebration Bowl. COVID's gonna di- has dictated a lot, will continue to dictate a lot, so we'll ultimately see how that plays out. With that said, so this is the divisional lineup for the MIAC. Coppin State, Delaware State, Howard, Maryland, Eastern Shore, Morgan State, and Norfolk State will make up the Northern Division. Bethune-Cookman, Florida A&M, North Carolina A&T, North Carolina Central, and South Carolina State will make up the Southern Division. So in football, that means Dell State, Howard, Morgan, Norfolk in, uh, for the North. In the South, it is Bethune, Cookman, Florida, A&T, North Carolina Central, South Carolina State. Like, <laughs> all due respect to the teams in the North, uh, and I'm talking about football, but nah. Nah, like, <laughs> I mean, if I had to say who I would consider the front runner right now for football, it'd have to be Florida a and You got a a, 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 a a transfer Division One quarterback, FBS guy coming in. You got all kinds of weaponry at receiver, offensive line is back, defense promises to be better. I mean, I, I would have to say on paper it's Florida A&M, although A&T is the three-time defending champs. Like, A&T is going to be right there. And, 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 you know, when you have a running backer like a Jamaine Martin, A&T is going to be different at quarterback uh, this year. That defense is still extremely stout. But if I'm looking at it on paper, I would have to give the edge to Florida A&M. 
in all the respect to A&T as the three-time defending champs. I get it. Florida A&M beat A&T head-to-head last year. But it's not A&T's fault nor any of the other members' fault that Florida A&M was ineligible for the conference championship. So A&T's the three-time defending champs. That's going to be a bloodbath when that championship game comes out because you're looking at FAMU, A&T, Bethune-Cookman, South Carolina State always in the running, and North Carolina Central is going to be better this year too. Meanwhile, I look at uh, the North. You know, I think Morgan State's going to be better this year. I think they're going to be better than a lot of people think. Remember, Morgan State beat A&T last year. Uh, of course, Tyrone Wheatley, the head coach, uh, at Morgan State. I mean, that's, you know, I think they're going to be a lot. I think the Bears are going to be a lot better. Norfolk State is going to be good. Like, Norfolk State is going to be good this year. Howard, you know, I'm not sure. Delaware State, I don't know. So, but you compare that to the teams that I just mentioned in the South, and we're not even getting to see the best matchups. That's neither here nor there. There's going to be a conference championship, and I think that that is, in fact, a beautiful thing. This is the deal, and I'm I'm, I'm going to talk more uh, basketball uh, if we have time, like if we have time because we're actually running out of time in this segment. But you have some matches like a and and Central are going to play twice this year. That's awesome. That's awesome. But in basketball, they're going to play six times this year. That's not awesome. <laughs> That's not awesome. Matter of fact, divisional play, particularly in the South, you're going to play in basketball Six times. You'll play your division teams six times this year. That means um, uh, the, what's the furthest, the most northern team uh, in, in the southern division? Would that be A&T in Greensboro? It's got to go to Daytona Beach for a basketball game three times this year, men and women, by the way. But on the football side, it's kind of cool. You're going to have some divisional, you know, some some traditional rivalries. I, I hadn't really delved into the schedule that much. I would assume that Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman would play twice this year. I mean, that should be pretty good, cool. And by the way, the MEAC championship game is going to actually be played on April the 17th. So, look, I, you know, uh, yeah, and, and they do. I have had a chance to sneak, uh, take a sneak look at it. So Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman are going to play twice. What does that mean for the Florida Classic? Is it going to be a home-and-home home situation? Uh, we certainly will see. So your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Still to come here on From the Press Box, to press row Michael Strahan gonna join the program but up next had a chance to catch up with Omari Hardwick last week on one of our sister stations talk with him he of course played at the University of Georgia talk with him about the matchup between Georgia and Alabama but also talk with him about some other things as well including the school he went to before he actually transferred to Georgia. You're going to hear that up next right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Those who can, do. Those who can't, talk. Join Donald Ware in the conversation. From the press box to press row. 
Still to come here on from the press box to press row, Michael Strahan stops by the program. So last week had a chance to catch up with Omari Hardwick right in time to talk with him about the Georgian-Alabama matchup. And, of course, we talked about that. But also talked with him about his time at Georgia. And did you know that he ultimately did not initially start out at Georgia? He actually transferred in, and here he is to tell you about it. Right? Yeah. So, ironically – um, I was recruited by a lot of schools, uh, and then the three, the four finalists were Ole Miss, Furman University, mm. Furman University, Ole Miss, right. um, Duke University. Duke, okay. Duke University, and then Georgia. So the irony is, at that time, coming out of a private school, but having grown up in the very black Decatur, Georgia, <laughs> going to a predominantly white school, um, you know, a la what could have happened for Ghost had he gone to choke with, you know, Leela's character of, of Angela having gone to the private school. There was a reality that down to the four schools that I could have gone to, it was it was interesting, D, because you had the Duke and the Furman, more of the academic prowess, the football stronger at Furman, actually, at that time than it was at Duke, even though Duke was in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But um, and then you had Ole Miss in SEC and then you had. Georgia Netbo, Wisconsin. My dream was University of Michigan. But between Bo Schimbeckler and Gary Moeller, that kind of didn't work out between that transition. And then I was recruited and offered uh, by by Wisconsin as well. It just seemed too far for, for the folks to go. So I started out, brother, at Furman University. And then I felt like I didn't mind the reality of being a smaller fish in a bigger pond if that's what it was going to be had I transferred to a bigger school. And then I think I had that itch inside of me as a poet who was already writing, even though I was a 200-pound football player. By the time I left Furman, I was about 190, got to Georgia and got to that training table and it went up to about 200 pounds. So I just thought about, you know, still being close enough to home, but an hour and a half away, Northwest Mountains, that being Athens, and it was still a, a, a beautiful campus, obviously. The school got better academically. As you know, it's now one of the more difficult schools to get into. But I just kind of put all those things together, put them on the table and thought, even in terms of the art that I could get down with, they had such a great theatrical program. They had such a great journalism department, which Furman didn't really offer. So it was an easy transfer for me. Ray Goff and them gave me a scholarship immediately. I was back home. And uh, again, as much as I thought I could be a small fish in a bigger pond, I, I wasn't necessarily that small. I, I, I absolutely learned in a very humbling way that I was kind of prominent on campus and not just on the football field, but in terms of all the things I did. So. Those days at Georgia were just such a glorious time for me. But those guys, man, those guys that I forementioned that you say are heavyweight names, even down to the acting, at those points, D, when I was in school, they were the big names. Terrell, Champ, Ron Bailey, his brother. Um, you know, again, Robert Edwards Hines, Travis, Terrell Davis, we would spend hours talking about what he thought I could be if I went the route of, of art. Definitely thought I could get a shot at football kind of maybe thought I'd play three to seven and then be out. And of course I didn't even get it even to the three point before getting out. But Georgia was, was a timeless moment for me that when we go back, obviously I was close to Kirby, as you know, but when we go back, those guys seem to pick up and those conversations seem to pick up right where we left off and right where the conversations left off. It was pretty amazing. Omari Hardwick starting out at Furman, ultimately transferring to Georgia and look at all the names he mentioned that 
he played with. And if you want to hear that interview in its entirety, you can log on to our website at BoxToRow.com and click on the podcast link to hear that interview again in its entirety. All right, we're continuing here on Box to Row. We're joined. I'm telling you, we got a very special guest on the line. We're joined by a gentleman. I like. Okay, so like he's got so many titles and so many jobs. I mean, I can't even keep up. Host on GMA, host of a hundred thousand dollar pyramid, right? He's got the uh, you know Pro Football Hall of Famer, former Texas Southern star. He does so many things. It's unbelievable. And, and as a matter of fact, he he has his own collection, MSX by Michael Strahan, the one and only Michael Strahan joins us here. What's going on, Michael? Hey, man, I'm good, brother. I'm good. I'm busy, but I'm good. Busy is good, especially in these times that we live in right now. So I'm happy I'm here talking to you. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're the pleasure is ours. How do you do all this? Like family time, right? How do you, how do you family time, GMA, a hundred thousand dollar pyramid for, Oh, I'm excuse me. Fox NFL Sunday. Like I'm, I've forgotten all the things that you, that you do. How do you do it all? You know what? The crazy thing is, I forget it too. That's what helps. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I don't do anything I'm not interested in. I don't do anything that's not fun. I don't do anything that I wake up and go, oh, I really don't. I really oh, I don't feel like it. Like Everything I do is exciting. So I just kind of wake up and do it. And doing GMA, it gives me time to at least get home. And, you know, I got one, one I have twins. They're in totally they're separate schools. So I got one who's upstairs right now. Doing virtual, I got one who actually goes to school physically. So it, it this has, you know, been a different time because it has given me more time with the family. But at the same time, I have been very fortunate to have great jobs that I love to do. And I just wake up and do it. I have a great team of people who make sure I'm where I need to be and that everything runs smoothly. So I'm, I'm lucky in all ways. You know, in, uh, GMA, so we got a lot to get to. But GMA, like I was watching on Wednesday mm-hmm. morning. And you mm-hmm. were talking with one of the officers that w- were, was involved with the Breonna Taylor uh, yeah. uh, killing. You seem very uncomfortable with, with some of the answers he was given. Yeah, I mean, you, it, it, that's the thing about news. I mean, I talked to John, Jonathan Matt, Mattingly, who was um, one of the seven police officers involved, and the only one to speak out so far. So it was a big exclusive for us. And as, a, as when you're in the news... My job is to bring you at home, you to view it, you the information. My job is not to emotionally get involved and in, in, in necessarily say my opinions or my feelings on certain things. But, of course, there were just certain things that were said that had to be challenged. Um, I think his, his, his input on, for some reason, he brought up George Floyd. And, and it was important for him to talk, say things about George Floyd in that case that I just didn't find to be acceptable. And whenever there are things like that, you have to speak up. But at the same time, you got to be very careful not to inject yourself too much because you want the public to make their own opinion. No, agreed. I, and I could see that. Like, I could see that. And so you, you did a really good job with that. Um, so for you, you, what is what is life with COVID-19 been like for you? Uh, it's been scary at first, like everybody else. I, I never missed a day at GMA. I went in every day for those months. And at times, been the only person in the studio, but having Robert and George from home, which was incredible that they that we were able to do it all like that, and it kept our team together. And but when you're there, and you do have a minimal staff in the studio, and you see, you can tell, you can feel the tension that everybody was was really nervous. 
but we pushed through it. And I tell you, it was scary, but now you're glad you did it because you know everybody at home was watching needed some kind of normalcy to their life. And to see some, some familiar faces on TV and being in a familiar place, I think, really helped. And it got me out of the house, kept me mentally sane from just being between the four walls here at home. So I think it was a, it was it was scary, but it was beneficial to get out there and kind of push yourself when it needed to be pushed. The one and only Michael Strahan, who joins us here, of course, MSX by Michael Strahan, launched in 2015, has a partnership with both the National Football League and Men's Warehouse, which we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later on in the program. So Texas Southern, got it? I mean, like, can't not we're not and cannot have you on without talking about <laughs> Texas Southern. Cannot. So how did you ultimately end up at Texas Southern? Well, you know what? My, my, I grew up in Germany. I'm from Houston. Grew up in Germany. When I was a senior in high school, my dad said, I'm going to send you to stay with your uncle in Houston and get a football scholarship. So I went to Houston. I played at Westbury High School for one year. And I was in Houston. Westbury was probably the only school that saw me play. I mean, Texas Southern was probably the only school that saw me play being right there in Houston and being a local boy. And Coach Walter Highsmith, um, I went over to see him and he offered me a scholarship. And I guess the rest is history. But it was it was it was perfect. It was perfect for me, man, to go to the HBCU, to go to Texas Southern, the size of the school, the education they gave me, not just in the classroom, but about life. It was I would have been swallowed up at another school. I wouldn't have felt as if I really could have made a difference or had a real purpose of being there. But at Texas Southern, I always felt like I could make a difference and I had a purpose. And they and I always felt comfortable there. And now my buddy, I got a shout out to my, my man, Deion Sanders, who's taking over head coach of Jackson State. He just sent me some Jackson State swag and I put on the hat. I uh, know. And I know there's, you know, rivalry. I'm just proud of him for going to HBCU and like literally being behind all the things that, that he says and this whole movement of trying to, you know, bring more light to the HBCU experience. And he's behind that. But I put on my Jackson State hat. And sent him a picture yesterday saying, how do I have more swag and look better than Jackson State stuff than you do, Dion? But I am proud of my HBCUs, man. Uh, we definitely need them, and, and they are backbone of our community. No question about it, Michael. Hold the line for me one second. Talking with Michael Strahan here on From the Press Box to Press Row. More of our conversation on the other side. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row talking with the one and only Michael Strahan here on the program. And you know what, Michael? Some of the best players, as you know, to ever play, not only in the National Football League, but sports or in society, whether you're talking about Oprah Winfrey, where you talked about Dr. Martin Luther King, whatever, went to HBCUs. But to your point, you felt like you're saying if, you had gone somewhere that was bigger. It, it may not have been for you. So how? Yeah, and, yeah. and then the cultural experience, right. the cultural experience, sitting out there on the yard. You know what I mean? You know, just just the, the, the all the fraternities and sororities and 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 I don't know, it was just a like mindedness and just a um, but an inclusiveness that I loved. I mean, everybody thinks about HBCUs and they go, "Oh, it's only black people." No, that's not the case. I mean, we had white football players on our team. We had white people on campus. It's just an encompassing 
and, and environment. And and as you know, we are very open and happy and and inviting um, um, group of people. And and Texas Southern gave it me and everybody else that man. So yeah, HBCUs way to go. And so for you, I mean, it's got to feel great because. My thought when we so we had you on the show back in 06. So the question was, okay, how do you go from TSU to the Giants all pro, you know, well on your way to the Hall of Fame? And then ultimately you won the Super Bowl. Then you go from that to where you are now, GMA. So how does one go from Texas Southern to you're like one of the biggest personalities on television? I work hard work. Hard work and just understanding that no one's going to give you anything if you want it. If you want it, you have to earn it. And in, I think you know what? Don't limit yourself. That's one of the biggest things. I think we look at ourselves, especially in sports, and say you make it in sports, and you go, "Okay, I made it in sports." And most people think that that's all you can do, which in turn, in your own mind, makes you think that's pretty much all you can do is that I could either play sports or I could talk about playing sports. But that's not the case. I think we're we're smart. We're educated. There, I don't know really any dumb athletes. It's really a tough business, especially in football, being able to break everything down and decipher these plays. I mean, it takes a lot to be able to do those things. But it taught me that if I can focus on that, then in other areas of my life, if I apply that same focus, I can have success. And it's truly been from just work because I didn't go to school to be on TV. I didn't go to school to host any shows. I didn't go to school for fashion, but I may have an interest. And that interest is something that you shouldn't be afraid to pursue. And you're not always going to be successful. I failed at a lot of things, but the fact that I kept moving and was successful at other things kind of, I learned from my failures, but it lets everybody else look and forget that I even failed. And everybody thinks I just woke up one day and all of a sudden, Oh, he's on TV. It, it never has been that way. It's been a tough road, but it's just one that you got to keep going down until you get what you want. Yeah. Uh, what was the transition like for you from Texas Southern to the largest media market uh, in the country and playing for the New York Giants? It was tough. When I was at TSU on campus, I was kind of a quiet guy. I wasn't a, you know, loud and, you know, look at me and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I was kind of put my head down and grind and just do what I need to get to do to get the job done. And so to kind of be kind of quiet, to show up in New York, and I know people look at me now, well, you ain't quiet. But I <laughs> and I'm and, and shy at that. And I still have shyness stuff that I have to deal with. It's like a, a introvert, introverted extrovert in a lot of ways. But how do I put it? How do you go from one to the other? But New York, you know, one thing I realized about New York and the reason I think I've been able to come here and do well is because I came here and I was quiet until I figured out what was going on. And then I got more involved and opened my mouth. (laughs) Sometimes you got to know your surroundings. You got to figure out where you're at, where you're going, how you're going to get there before you start talking about where you're at, where you're going and how you're going to get there. And for me, I think that was what helped me here in New York, coming to this media market. I was never a guy who said, yeah, I'm coming from Texas Southern. I'm going to come here and I'm going to you know, get 200 sacks and I'm going to do this and do that. No, I sat behind Lawrence Taylor and I watched. I said other, I watched other guys, how they dealt with the media. I watched how other guys dealt with living in the city because sometimes you come here and you're young. I was 21 years old, had a little money in my pocket. I easily could have got swallowed up here in the city by being out too much and running around and trying to do all the things that 
were going to be detrimental to my life and my career. So um, it's about kind of figuring out what your role is, know your role, don't oversell yourself, but over deliver. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of last thoughts. I want to talk about the, the clothing lines uh, mm-hmm. uh, or the line really in, in two different spaces, if you will. Um, but what about the Super Bowl win victory? What did that mean? But I, was it that year, the year before you sat out? Like, were you really going to sit out that it year? Was that year. Yeah. Um, well, it, nah, I wasn't. Going to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what happened? I hurt my foot. I think I hurt my foot the year before, and I missed, um, you know, however many games. And I'm in, I'm in California because I had my deal with Fox. And if I wanted to, I could retire and been on TV doing that. And I'm kind of sitting there, and the guys are calling me every day, bugging me. Hey, man, you got to come back. got to come back. And they're in training camp. Now, I'm looking at a beach in California, or I'm looking at training camp in Albany, New York, at a college campus. And I'm like, I ain't going back there <laughs> to the training camp. And I had figured out a, a week or so in, I'm going to go back and play. But I kept stringing them along because I just didn't want to go to camp. When the second camp was over, <laughs> right back over there, man, put that uniform back on. And the first two weeks were awful. We were horrible as a team. We gave up like 80 points on defense in two games. And then we woke up and we just started playing better. But, yeah, winning the Super Bowl at the end of it all made it all worthwhile because I, I – you think you do all these things for yourself, but winning the Super Bowl, I had done everything as an individual player, but to win the Super Bowl, that collective man, I'm on a group text with all the, the D-line from that year. I mean, every day we go and we talk to each other, we encourage each other, um, we talk about things that are going on in our lives, and we open up in a lot of ways that we never opened up when we were sitting in the, the, the locker room together in the meeting rooms because we talk about how, how difficult it is when you are done playing the game. There are a lot of struggles that some guys have gone through and I've had my own too even though you think you have another career you still doubt yourself you still worry that if you you know how is life really going to go do you make the right decision make the wrong decision and you do miss the game so for us to communicate and talk keeps us all involved man it makes me feel a lot younger than I really am too because they were all younger than me when I retired (laughs) the one and only Michael Strahan joins us on the program so MSX by Michael Strahan for NFL Mm -hmm. is available on MSX by MichaelStrahan.com with exclusive styles for men and women on HSN and QVC. Like, you were already doing everything. Now you're doing more. You got the collection. Tell us about it. Yeah. Well, collection is the, um, the, the tailored brand. That's suit and, suits and ties and everything else. Then we had MSX, which is our athleisure brand, which is, is really great, especially for right now when everybody's doing these things from home. You don't have to get necessarily dressed up, at least from the, the a lot of people. You probably dressed up. I don't want to know what you got on down below. So then we, I went back, I went full circle. I went back to where it all started. Went back and signed a deal with the NFL and G3. So it's um, MSX by Michael Strahan for NFL. And it's all NFL licensed apparel, all high, high quality fabrics, um, stylish. Stylist, 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 a great bank for your buck. And, and partnered with G3, which is owned partially by Carl Banks, another former NFL player, another former giant who's been at it for 30 years or so. And they do, they are like the best in the business with this. So um, we are in, in um, fanatics.com as well, another big site, your yep. team stores, 
hopefully they'll be opening soon. We'll see how that goes. But it's been a real fun business for me and something I didn't know anything about. I'm always interested in fashion. And it's somebody, it's something that's been organic to me from wearing suits every day on TV to when I'm at home, I am casual and I'm athleisured out. So these are all things that are organic to me. And this is a great way for you at home if you're watching sports. You can still cheer for your fan, you can, your team. You can still look good. You can still send your boy a jersey or a shirt from, or a jacket from your team, even though he may not like your team. He's going to wear it because it's free if you send it to him. <laughs> <laughs> right. and, then, uh, and, then, and then, of course, it's, uh, for, it's affordable, too. It's affordable, too. That, that was the, always the key thing. It's like to give performance fabrics, to give things that, that for a man, being a bigger guy for me, I don't want something that is it, not cut super tight, but it's cut where it's athletic. Well, you still have room to move. And even this one has a little spandex in it so you get some stretch, has a mesh back, so some breathability. So everything that we've done has been fashion forward and it's had um, a lot of, it, it's like tech fabrics. And you get a lot of bang for your book. You get a lot of money, for your value for the money that you're spending. We did them all at prices so you have the true fan can really enjoy and most of all you can really afford. Yeah, and then also, yeah. and so then also, you so mentioned Deion Sanders mentioned Deion. a little bit earlier. So now you're, you're donating... Um, also to Jackson State to wear some of the, the articles of clothing, correct? For a long time, and I, I found some old picture of us in the Pro Bowl together, and I'm like, man, look like I ate like 500 calories a minute. <laughs> I will. <laughs> but my man, and, and he wants his guys to look good. He wants his team to look good. He wants them to step off that bus and look like a professional, which is what they required for me and us when we were in the NFL. So um, my company collection, we're going to make, you know, we're going to give the guys their jacket. We're going to give them the shirts. We're going to make sure that when Jackson State stepped off the bus, Jackson State is showing up to represent and looking um, and looking great doing it. And I just love giving back. I love, you know, those type of things because there are so many kids out there who go to HBCUs and think, oh, I go to HBCUs. So I don't have the same opportunities as someone else. And in some regard, yeah, maybe maybe. You, you may feel that way, but it's not the, the reality. The reality of it is there are a lot of people who want to support and a lot of people who have gone to HBCUs, and I want to encourage these kids, don't be afraid to reach out. I think a lot of times we're afraid to reach out. We're afraid to ask for advice. We're afraid to ask for an opportunity, and don't be, because life is about speaking up, and you can't, you can't get what you want without speaking up. Yeah. So I just want to that. I wanted to show them that doesn't matter, HBCU, Big Ten, wherever you go to school, 1A, 1AA, and Division Two, you can be a success. You can do whatever you want. And I'm a living proof. I'm living proof of that. Last thought, uh, as we're, you know, I can, I can say as we're doing this interview, and we've talked with a lot of people, this is one of my favorites because you're, you know, you're an HBCU guy, you're who you are. But for you, who is either your most favorite interview uh, or one of the most memorable interviews that you've had? You know, one of the most memorable interviews I ever had, and this is something that, that's, that's stuck in my mind a few times, is Samuel L. Jackson. There are a lot of people that, that, that I've interviewed, Oprah and Tyler Perry, two of my other favorites. But Samuel L. Jackson was telling a story about how he was in an elevator with his grandfather who used to operate the elevator, and, he, and the white gentleman gets on and refers to his grandfather's boy. And then asked Samuel, oh, he's a good little boy right there, and, and says something to Samuel, and he looks up at the guy, and he's talking to him, and looking up, as his grandfather gave him, as if to say, are you crazy by looking that man in the face? And just the way he told it, and it's something you know he's never forgetting, and it, and it impacts him. 
And now to see where he is, is like a testament to how far we've come, but yet we still got a long way to go. So that interview with Samuel L. Jackson always stood out in my mind. And I don't know if he'll even remember that, but I, I've never forgotten it. And again, we want to remind folks the MSX by Michael Strahan for NFL is available on MSX by MichaelStrahan.com right now, correct? With exclusive styles for, for men, women, and on HSN and OBC, correct? HSN, um, 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 yeah, it, all of that. And I want to say that it was important, too, for women. This is the first time we're doing anything for women with the MSX by Michael Strahan for NFL because uh, my daughters were giving me a hard time. My mom was giving me a hard time. So, you know, I had to listen to the women in my life for once, and um, they were right. I, I, I love making something that, that's cut and fit for women and not something that is made for a man that they got to wear to like, to, to um, represent their team. So I, I'm so happy and proud of that as well, and, and all the associations with Fanatics and, and, and um, you know, HSN. I've got great partners, and I've just been a very fortunate dude, man. Yeah. MSX by MichaelStrahan.com available now. Don't forget the one and only Michael Strahan <laughs> joining us here. Got to give a big shout out to Jill Fritzo and Fritzo Public Relations for making this happen. Michael, we appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Appreciate it. You too. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. You, get to <laughs> you, knew, oh, you knew about that. They, they, they made sure you knew about that. Man, you know what is good, and and, and uh, you're encouraging people um, to be better and do better, and, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate it, Michael. Kind words from the one and only Michael Strahan. Got to run. Thank you to Michael Strahan for joining us today on From the Press Box to Press Row. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And for more information on the program, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. Rock